Diversity Deep Dive Podcast, Global Citizenship and Cultural Connections. The United Nations established 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, to impact the world by 2030. SDG goal number five is focused on achieving gender equality and empowering all women and girls. Today, our guest, Mariela Romero, is inspiring women and girls every day in her role as the Regional Community Empowerment Director for Univision Communications, as well as the anchor and host of Conexion Fin de Semana. Mariela has received 23 Emmy Awards from the Academy of Television Arts, Southeast Region, was named the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce one of the most 50 influential Latinos, and in 2019, she was awarded the Ogosi de Guazeta Award by the Latin American Association. Mariela holds a degree in journalism from Universidad Católica Argentina, as well as a degree in social communications from Universidad de Belgrano. She also studied TV broadcasting and production in Buenos Aires, Argentina. She's a native of Caracas, Venezuela. She's a proud mother of a 19-year-old son, Mateo. And on the top of her impressive accomplishments, she is diligently engaged within her community to educate and encourage women across all cultures and embodies true global citizenship. Welcome to the Diversity Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Audra Jenkins, joined by members of my Ronstadt Equality, Diversity and Inclusion, or Ready crew, Floss Agri and Nora Marquez. Today, we'll be speaking with Mariela Romero, Regional Community Empowerment Director for Univision Communications, as well as the anchor and host of Conexion Fin de Semana. She will share her journey as a community empowerment leader and path to, go- to global citizenship. Welcome, Mariela. Thank you so very much, Audra, for having me. Muchísimas gracias. Ah, de nada, Mariela. <laughs> So, Mariella, we are so excited to speak with you today and hear more about your journey into global citizenship. Mariella, you've lived in such diverse and impressive life so far. Tell us about the countries you've lived in as a child that shaped the amazing woman that you are today, and how did your parents influence your global perspective? Thank you. Thank you. Well, when I was nine years old, I moved to France. My my father is a diplomat, so with that career choice. We we had to to move several times to different countries. And it was the first country that I had to learn a different language and get accustomed to a completely different society, completely different school system. In Venezuela, I was in in private schools in France. I went for the first time in my life in a public school and I loved it. I, I loved going to school over there. And, and I had a wonderful experience. I was able to learn French re- very quickly. And it is due to the fact that I was so welcome in the school. And, and the teachers really welcome all students from different walks of life in different countries. And then when I was 14 years old, we moved to Mexico. And this was another culture shock because we, we, my, sister and, my sisters and I went to a Catholic school, nuns, all girls, First time in my life. And, and also, it was a, a great school, Colegio Miraflores. Mexico is such a rich country. The culture, you leave it, you, you uh, eat it, you smell it. It's, it's an amazing country. When I was 16, we moved to Buenos Aires, Argentina, where I finished high school and I studied my university studies. I did my university studies there. So those three things have been, those three countries have shaped me. And of course, the United States, when I came here, I was 26 years old. But to the question that you asked me about my parents, I think the answer is that because we moved as a family, we were able to maintain 
our values and our culture, even though we were moving in the world, was completely different. Every time we changed countries, my family was the stability. And having that stability at home, uh, I think, was the mechanism why we then were able to thrive in a different culture, in a different environment, in a different country, because we had stability at home and we were, we were able to appreciate the differences that we were seeing out, outside of our home. I love that thriving in different cultures and having that experience and learning a language and, you know, two other second languages, you know, very early on in your life. I think that's very phenomenal, uh, Mariella. So, you know, you have such a beautiful tapestry of experiences. When I think of a global citizen, I think of someone who recognizes that we're all interconnected around the world. I envision someone who recognizes that We've been immersed in different cultures, accepting of all people. As a journalist, why do you think there's such a need for that cultural connections today? I think the world has become a much smaller place because we are connected through the internet. We can instantly chat with anybody. So the need is greater today. We are also being influenced by many cultures all the time. So I think because of that, that is why it's so important in, in more than ever to have a different cultural mindset and develop some new cultural skill sets because it's the only way you are going to grow your influence, is the only way that you are going to protect your brand, your personal brand, and also the company's brand, wherever you're working, understanding that the world is becoming smaller and you need to interact with people from different backgrounds and different faith and different uh, ethnicities. It, it also gives us an opportunity to see how beautiful the world is and how we can interpret the world differently depending on the region of the world that you are born. And I think those things are pluses, but because it's so new, it seems very combative right now and, and it causes a lot of stress and anxiety to people who who are welcoming to their countries uh, people of different ethnicities. But I think uh, my hope is that we are going to find a point where we are all understanding that adding that perspective from a different culture is a plus, is not a negative. I love that. That's the foundation of diversity and inclusion, respecting each other, others' differences. So thank you for that. And Mariela, I see that you have such a wealth of experience living up abroad and in so many different countries. And my question for you is, from your experience, have you experienced other cultures that are similar to your own? And then how did you make that connection? You know, how were you able to relate to them instantly? One of the most enriching experiences happened when I was in France because we were able to be in a classroom with other children who were learning French at the same time. So what they do in, in the French system is that all the foreigner students are together in a class to learn French and they are able to see, to measure where everybody is in math and other knowledge. And then they place you after you learn French, they place you in the correct grade that you are in. So while we are all learning French, we had kids from Poland, we had from Portugal, from Ar Algeria, from deep, different parts of the world, Vietnam and Cambodia. And I remember 
something that was very powerful. There was this girl from the Commodore Islands, which is part of Africa. And my grandmother had sent my sisters and, and I some sweets that we have in Venezuela. We call them bocadillos de guayaba. And they are wrapped in dry banana leaves. So my sister and I, during recess, we opened those sweets that my grandmother sent. And the girl from the Commodore Islands, she said, we eat this. And it was such an incredible moment because there was an instant connection with her. Like something, I, I understood that probably her tradition traveled to Latin America. And that's how we got it. So I felt that moment of connection so powerful. And I wish more people could experience those connections, those positive connections early in life, because it makes you realize that we have more things in common than differences. That's an impressive story. And now you're making me want some of that candy. <laughs> so the next time you... Uh our guests, make sure you bring some. So there are so many priorities now. Fast forward, right, to now you as a professional. There are so many priorities we have as professionals from our workload to our family to our personal obligations. So what are ways that can the average person become more global-minded? You touch a very interesting point because everybody's trying to juggle their work with their family obligations. And, you know, when we have kids, we want to do a lot of the activities with the kids. And then we feel like we don't have time to do anything else. So I will give a practical tip, maybe, because not everybody can take, you know, courses and immerse themselves into traveling <laughs> for months and really get to a, get to know a culture uh, deep. But I, I, would, I would start with something that most of us have at home, which is Netflix or Amazon or, you know, streaming services and watch series from other countries. Some things that you need to have subtitles on. I believe that one of the things that made me adapt to different cultures so rapidly is because in Latin America, you grew up listening to uh, songs in English, in, in Italian, and from, from different countries, in Portuguese, etc. We are used to that globality in our, in our environment all the time. Uh, it, it, it's funny, when Americans travel to, to Latin America, they say, oh, you know Bruno Mars, and you listen to this because it's so common to hear music in English. And even though when you are in those countries, you don't understand what they're saying. It's, it's funny. It happens to me every time I'm on the car and then an oldies comes on the, on the radio. And I'm like, oh, that song talks about this. I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> but I think now there is an opportunity for Americans to, to watch on TV how our soap opera is done in Turkey. And I don't know, maybe a Spaniard television series or from Mexico. There's one called La Casa de las Flores. Oh, my goodness. The House of Flowers. That is a riot. So it gives you an, another perspective. You, you will understand that different cultures are not only one dimension that probably we know many people or, or we define a culture, but maybe something that is stereotypical and is not the full, the full version of the culture. So I will recommend 
to start that way. And then as your interests grow, you can start applying that in, in, in finding courses and experiences that are going to be broadening your horizons. And, and that will make you uh, a more global human being. So, Mariela, as a woman, we often wear masks and not our true selves in the workplace. What can companies do to encourage everyone to show up as their true selves each day? That is a very hard question to answer. And I think it all comes down to the culture of the uh, organization. You have to have leaders that want that authenticity out there. But we still have to fight, you know, people or leaders who want the women to look a certain way and to act a certain way because that is their perception of what a woman is. Sometimes they don't want to see how we are authentically. So my recommendation is that the leadership of the organization, they have to be culturally healthy. When you have a culturally healthy organization, the byproduct is going to be more diverse group of workers. They're going to be more inclusive and the workers are going to feel that they have space to be authentic. And that authenticity also is going to allow people to collaborate more and better. So the return of inve on investment is going to be there. You're going to have a workforce that is going to be engaged. They, f they will feel welcome in the organization. They will, they will continue working with you. They will be loyal. So it, it all starts with the leadership recognizing that culture needs to change. Their corporate culture needs to change to allow those things. So, Mariella, I have a question for you. It sounds like that, of course, you're extremely connected culturally, and that means you have to be open-minded. So what have you done recently, like the past couple of years, that have led you to think differently about diversity and inclusion? I love that question. And, and I have to say that at the end of last year, I was presented with the opportunity to do cultural mastery to be part of a cohort of women who underwent that experience. I didn't know exactly what it was. I, I was presented with the opportunity because I met the author of The Six Stages of Cultural Mastery, Ricardo mm -hmm. Gonzalez. I met him at that event. I went to a presentation and I was like, oh my goodness, I wanted to create something like cultural mastery myself, but he, he created it in... When I went through that experience, I was able to see that m me, I, I also had blind spots. Mm -hmm. I also had my culture, cultural uh, learning to do. It was very enriching for my life. And the, what I love the most about it is that it is a process. It's not about bringing motivational speakers and motivating people and inspiring for an hour or a day. It is something, it's, it's a process that is very well developed where you have uh, steps that you take and then they will give you a result. And you, you can measure how you started, you can measure how you end. And truly, that was a, a, an incredible learning experience for me, even though I, 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 when I started it, I thought, my goodness, I am the expert on this <laughs> topic, but all of us, we, we have opportunities to grow more and to learn more, and, and that's the beauty of it. 
Okay, thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. At Ronstadt, of course, we have a, prog- a program called Ronstadt with Heart. It's a goal to touch the work lives of 500 million people by 2030. In the U.S., of course, we have the Higher Hope Program. Thank you for attending the graduation here today. What would you say to encourage young women who may feel limited by their environment or socioeconomic status that there is hope and they can make it? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot with your engagement in the community. You have a lot to share there. Well, today was a perfect example of what can happen. You know, when I was sharing with some of the women, I didn't know their stories. And they were able to to tell me, you know, I was living in a shelter. I just went through a divorce and I had kids. And I tried to put myself on their shoes. And I said, wow, they are here. And they are showing up. They want to move forward. They have hope. Wow, this is so powerful. So another thing is to create that hope is also for for people who have achieved some level of accomplishment to share their failures, to share that they also have been down sometimes. And, And that's exactly what I told one of the women. I said, you know what? I have two divorces. I have been in a position where I didn't want to get out of bed because I was so devastated by what I was facing personally. And nobody knew what I was facing because, you know, for my public work that I do and and because I I host a TV show, I said if I start sharing with my coworkers my pain that I'm suffering at home, I'm going to be crying 24-7 in the old TV. I'm going to look <laughs> terrible. So, you know, you, you carry those pains, and it, it is good when you have a public forum to share that you have been there. So the women hearing you, they feel, oh, my goodness, she was there. I am here, but I can be where she is. And, and those sharing your lows probably is more impactful than sharing your highs. I need a second on that one. Wow. (laughs) We all do. Very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you for for sharing that. One aspect, of course, of our Higher Hope program is mentoring. You know, we have a career navigator, so people to sort of help them along the way. Can you share some advice with us uh, regarding mentors that you've had? What what, What would you consider the best advice if you had to pick something from a mentor that has positively impacted your career? Yeah, well, pick one thing. Yes, it's very interesting because in, in Latin America, you don't gr- grow up with that figure, the figure of mentors. Probably you have them as in, in the form of your family members, et cetera, et cetera, but it, there's no formal mentor programs. So when you come to the, to the U.S. and you see this concept, is is fabulous and you're like oh my gosh we should import this export this to latin america but of course we have mentors over there but we formally don't call them mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. so i in the form of my family members and co-workers and you know when you ask informally but i didn't have anybody to guide me in my career it has been more in of an intuition so I would say that the best advice and the best mental quote that I have that is the one who motivates me is something that I that I read one time and every time that I think about it I'm like I have to to do it and it is what you don't change you choose. Mm-hmm. So it, it helps you in so many aspects of your life when you're stuck 
in a career that you don't want, when you need to go to the gym, when you need to, you know, take care of your health better, is what you don't change, you choose. So I think that is the best piece of advice <laughs> that I have Great received advice. from a quote, <laughs> not from a human being, from, from a quote. And of course, I had, you know, in my grandmother, I had a person who, who taught me so many things. I think that I think of her so many times, especially now that I am in journalism. Mm -hmm. When I started career in journalism, I started it at CNN in September 11th, 2001 was my first day on the job. Before CNN, I had worked in TV, Televen, Georgia Public Broadcasters, but not as a journalist. I worked on the production side, et cetera. But as a journalist, it was September 11, 2001. And I remember my grandmother because she had such compassion. She was a Latina grandmother, you know, that will get the chancleta and she will, (laughs) (laughs) yes, she will, you know, correct you. But I learned something from her that was very, very powerful when I was 15 years old. It was 1985, and the epidemic of AIDS was rampant around the world. You had a lot of cases of AIDS, AIDS. So at that same time, my uncle developed an illness. He has something that he's allergic to his own skin. So it is a process that is, is terrible. So he was in the same side of the hospital where they had the patients with AIDS, new patients with AIDS. So I remember my sisters, my aunts, my cousins, we were visiting my my uncle, but every time an a AIDS patient was going out of the corridor, was walking, I saw people getting away and people were like afraid. And I remember members of my family saying, oh, it's their own fault and this, and feeling scared of them. And one day, my sister and I came in the morning to relieve my grandmother because she spent every night with my uncle taking care of him. So my grandmother sat us down and she said, you know, last night one of the AIDS patients died. He passed away. And I instructed the nurses that when he was in that stage to call me because I did not want him to die alone. Mm. So in the middle of the night, the nurse came, told her that the patient was dying. And my grandmother called her priest and they both entered the room and she was holding his hand and what she really was also doing is every night she would come when the family didn't know and she was entering the, the room of the patient for him not to be alone. And she was holding his hand when he passed away. So when she told us that, I think she wanted to convey to my sister and I that we should not pay attention to all the rhetoric around human beings, you know, that we always have to have compassion. And she proved it. She lived it. And I would always have that memory uh, with me. And, you know, when, when you see people screaming to one another, I remember that we're talking about human beings. And it's because of her. Powerful insights, Mariela. Thank you for that. That's a gift. And, you know, God bless your grandmother for sure, because that's, that's amazing. I, 
it's so much compassion. We need that a lot more of that today. So you definitely had a very successful career. I know you've earned many achievements that you're proud of, but I know your most important title is being a mom. So what legacy do you want to leave for your son? Absolutely. Thank you, Audra. You're right. It's the best title. And it's the one where you feel more insecure because you're feeling that you're screwing everything up. (laughs) And then he's going to need therapy, (laughs) years of therapy because of me. But what I would say about this, I think many women are going to relate because we approach motherhood and having a career with guilt. We always feel guilty. And, And because of the engagement that I have in the community, my role at Univision and in the, the, the nature of my job on television, I'm always absent. I'm always absent from the home. So my son, I missed a lot of concerts and a lot of um, soccer games because I was not able to, to be there because of my job. And I was always feeling like the worst mom ever. But my son helped me change that perspective. And it was when he was in middle school. We were driving, and I was driving, and he was next to me. And so he was talking about a work he was doing. He was learning about Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa. So his assignment was to write about someone that he admires. So I asked him, so who did you pick? And he said, I wrote about you. And the the thing that got to me, well, first of all, I hope he never compared me to <laughs> Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela because I'm nowhere close. But what got to me was that if I were a man, I would always be sure that I was giving him a, a good, I, I, I was being a good role model. I was not noticing that he was noticing what I was doing. So as a woman, I was like, oh, my God, I am being an example for my son of someone who is engaged, someone that is going up in her career and and, and modeling something good for him. It never dawned on me. I always thought that I was doing something wrong. And I'm glad that recently there was a study done about moms, working mothers, and how they are good influence for their kids, especially for their daughters. Because it reinforced that, you know, what he said really made me think of myself differently because I just had to change. If I were a man, I would not feel guilty. I would feel like my son is seeing me doing something good for my job, my career, and my community. And I, what I only had was guilt. So when, when you talk about a legacy to live on him, you, now he is in, in college, he's studying sound engineer, but we recently had a conversation, and I don't remember, he was reading something, and he turned to me, and he said, Mom, what is envy? What is that feeling? And I was like, well, it's when you see, you know, I explained what envy was, and, and I thought, he has never felt it. And I said, probably that's the best thing that, as a mom, I have given him that he has never seen envious behavior at home so he doesn't know what that is how that how does that feel and it made me feel proud (laughs) I love that that's that's phenomenal Mariella thank you for that 
So one last question. I know our our global community is important and we need to work together for a sustainable economy, environment, and society. If you could change one thing to make the world more connected and culturally accepting, what would that be? I will convey to everybody that we have gotten to all of our opinions, honestly, that our environment is the one that shapes us. And even though there are things from some cultures that probably need to be changed and there are cultures that are healthy and there are cultures that are not, we cannot blame someone for being born in another place and and having a different religion because of the place they are born. So that understanding is profound when we can come to the deep knowledge and acknowledge that we all come, you know, to our conclusions in an honest way. And that is the basis for building a, a relationship. It is the foundation to have an honest discussion. And from there, we can all grow to learn about each other and, and create endearment from one another. I wish that that could be the, the lesson of this conversation and that people can take that to heart. I love that, that honest conversation. That's where it all starts. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Well, thank you, Mariella. You've been, you've been a gift, you know, for sure. We love this conversation. We're all smiling around the table because we love having you as our guest. Thank you for my ready crew, Floss and Norma, as always, another phenomenal conversation. Also a big thank you to our listeners. We really appreciate your support. Real diversity happens when everyone is actively engaged and working together for a positive change. Let's keep the conversation going. Please download more episodes of the Diversity Deep Dive podcast. Until next time, go out and make a positive difference in your organization or community.